beginning transmission 113. Fog Town. File under Pride 2. Electric Boogaloo. ハッシュタグ Complete morons in the process. I'm too sober for this shit. And that's just what they'll do. One of these days, those boots are going to walk all over you. And hey, welcome to episode 113 <laughs> of the Funny and Firewater podcast. This week, we are continuing on our month of what we are calling Pride 2 Electric Boogaloo. I don't know if we are calling it. I'm calling it that. So that's what What's going to be for next year, then? Pride 3 Pride the Return. Three. I was going to go with the Return of the Revenge. <laughs> or Pride yeah. 3 in 3D. Oh, yeah. Pride 3 Triple in 3D. D. No. No, I Pride three, Pride three for you and me. We'll come up with it. We'll that's figure it out. That's then. a year. That's, yeah, a year that's future funny books problems. That's right. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck those guys. It's your problems in the future. Future Brian, you're gonna have to deal with that shit. But this week we are reading um, the book Fogtown, which is a uh, Vertical Prime imprint book uh, from Anderson Gabrich, who we read some of his work in Batman War Games, and Brad Rader, whose art I'm not exactly sure if I'm familiar with it from anywhere else. But uh, yeah, we'll dig into this. This is a book about a closeted detective in 1953 San Francisco. Uh, very reminiscent of pulp crime novels uh, that I've read a lot of. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went through a phase and I read like a lot of the typical, you know, the Maltese Falcon and the um, oh, a few of those books. I'll have to look them up. But uh, I read a, I read a bunch of like those more crime novels, um, and this definitely falls into a lot of those categories. A little seedier than some of those turn out, but not terribly that much seedier than a lot of those turn out. To be honest with you, uh, but. Always a little seedier than everything turns out to be. We have our standard group of people with us. We're going to start this week with Mr. Seedy himself, Mr. Todd. Hey, how's it going? I'm Mr. Seedy today, apparently. You can find me here in Salt Lake, Utah. I'm cum dumpster adjacent, sitting right next here to Adam. And then I'm here next to Maya as well. I'm next to Badger. Next to ba- Hi, Badger. Badger's always cute. You can also find me on the English Class Hooligans podcast with Brian and my better half, Amy. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. So, um, and then I'm just around Salt Lake. Say hi if you see me. If you don't see me, just say hi to the ether. Never knows. I might hear it. That's, that's, that's what Badger's trying to do right now. Also, come to Surfire Adjacent, we have Mr. Maya. Hey, all, I'm Maya. Uh, if you're in Salt Lake City, you can catch me at Dr. Volt's Comics, 2043 East, 3300 South, or you can yell at me on Twitter, Instagram, at Mr. Maya on Twitter, at the Mr. Maya on Instagram. Awesome. Uh, and the Come Dumpster Fire himself, we have Mr. Adam. Oh, hey, girl. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Adam. Uh, I do stuff with uh, Big Shiny Robot, also the Borders Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy! Of course, here on Funny Bucks and Firewater, and also over with our good friend Chris at Cinema Queens. Hi, Hi Chris. Chris! Hey, Chris! And you can also catch me curating our Grinder Scruff and Tights with a Z account. Um, and hey, I'm Brian. I'm Sun based out of Southern California. I work on stuff, uh, and I will be in Utah at the time this recording comes up. I'm doing four shows for the Old Lyric Ref. They're going to be running through July, so if you want to check out some theater in uh, the lovely Logan, Utah, which is obviously going to be much cooler than the Salt Lake Valley and or Southern California, where I currently am at, so that's going to be part of the nice thing about that. Go ahead and head on up. About the time this comes out, I think I will be in tech rehearsals for Sense and Sensibility. And then following that will be Peter and the Starcatcher. And then 
Ray Gardens, and then Macbeth. Uh, so this week, as we said before, we are doing Fogtown. Um, Adam, how did you come across this book? Were you just searching for uh, gay graphic novels, or what was it? Yeah, I was just uh, searching for, I think I think the, the article was 10 LGBT no- uh, graphic novels you need to read before you die, or something like that. Okay. And this one just popped up, and it seemed like it was a really interesting idea and concept. So mm-hmm. I hopped on Amazon. I think I got a used copy from the library for like a dollar because it's out of print. Yeah. It, was, it was more expensive to ship it than it was to buy it. Uh, and I ended up really enjoying it. So yeah, and I found it on uh, in stock trades, I believe. I think is where I got my copy of it as well. I have I have a new copy. Mine's not used, um, but uh, also really enjoyed it. I have a minor complaint about it, but we will get into that later. But yeah, as we said before, this is sort of like it's a typical noir kind of story about a detective who is uh, probably in over his head dealing with people of different social statuses. He has a, uh, a girlfriend who is also his secretary who doesn't quite understand him and also gets jealous and, uh, you know, takes place in San Francisco and uh, it is full of a lot of the bigotry and racism that you would expect of that time frame. Uh, it doesn't necessarily pull punches that way, so if you're sensitive to that kind of language, just be aware that that is there. Because um, I know that we had a little bit of concern on the show to make sure that the writer was actually uh, gay, so that it wouldn't seem as horrible him using some of those words. So why don't we start out with our votes as to whether or not we feel like it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time and money to go and hunt out this book and read it. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's gonna run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you. Our dear listener. Along with each vote. Our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now who is the bond I expect you to die? There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Uh, what is your vote, Mr. Todd? Yeah, you should read it. I am always a fan of crime novels and stories and the hard-boiled type. Um, this was one of the few vertical crime books I didn't have, so yeah, go on. So now you have all of them. I think I do. I have like seven of them now. Now I'm have to look into some of those because there's a there's a few here I'm in the back. I'm looking at they all look kind of interesting, so I may have to hunt down some more of these. Mister mm-hmm. Maya, uh, absolutely. Uh, I thought this was a very well put together story. We'll get into mm-hmm. it here in a bit. Yes, uh, I'm also going to vote yes. Uh, my issue with this book has nothing to do with the story. Uh, but we will get into it a little bit later. And, Mr. Adam, I think I know your answer because you're the one who approved this reading of this book, but what say you, sir? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, like, any kind of noir-type stuff. And this very much feels like a, a Humphrey Bogart, Maltese Falcon-type thing. Yeah. So if, if you let that kind of stuff, go for it. If you're not a fan, then I would say stay away, but it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. Well, let's jump into drinking games for this book because, you know, with us around here, if we're going to have a book, we're going to have to have a drinking game. Now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. So, uh, Mr. Todd, what is your drinking game role? Uh, my drinking game on that is, oh, I see more blood on the face again. So every time the lead character gets beat up or he's encountering um, his face, just needs to have a tissue because he's got blood on the face. He should take a drink. Okay, uh, Mr. Adam. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, with, oh, yeah, it was the 50s, wasn't it? So every time someone says something that's overtly homophobic or racist, take a drink. Well, uh, mine is called The Old Switcheroo, which is every time a character is revealed to be something or someone other than who they say they are, take a drink. Um, and Mr. Maya. Uh, mine's called More Layers Than an Onion. Uh, basically, anytime another layer or another piece of information gets added on to the overall story, you'll know what I mean when you read it. <laughs> Your rule and my rule are fairly similar, actually. I mean, any forewarnings that we feel we need to give people before they jump into this book? No. It's not in color. It is not in color, that is true. Just like the 50s. Um, I think, yeah. again, one of the things I was <clears throat> checking to see, you know, as far as if the author was a member of the community, 
uh, this book doesn't like it with my drinking game doesn't pull punches it's going to use uh words that many people could find very offensive uh, because it is mm-hmm. trying to be a product of its time so it's not going to back away from using like the n-word or uh, referring to asian american people is a derogatory way or uh using the word faggot or something like that so if that's something that's that's you don't enjoy seeing in your, in your entertainment uh just be aware that's going to be in this book so so like like we said before it is a hard-boiled detective novel um so yes it's a I mean, it's, it's a fun book, but uh, we'll let you get to it. Uh, so go ahead and press pause, and uh, you can have your chance to read the book. Um, and we will hang out, and uh, when you press play, we will rejoin you and talk all about this book and spoil the shit out of it. If you're not going to read the book and just want to hear our take on it, uh, we will be spoiling it shortly after this little break. Woohoo! If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Cool. So, yeah, so what we're going to try to do is we're going to start in on this book. We'll try to kind of discuss it as we go through because there's a lot of layers to uncover, and we'll just kind of discuss it as we go through throwing cocktails when we come across our cocktails you know like the themes that we have for them things like that so we're going to start out with um we meet our main character whose name we all seem to have forgotten to be honest with you oh, uh, frank frank gristle gristle mr gristle gristle Mr. Gristle, that's right. A very hard-boiled detective name, if ever there was one. Uh, so Mr. Gristle is wandering through the fog, like a typical great uh, noir book. He's narrating as he goes through, and uh, he finds a very young hooker who is uh, pimping out in front of a church of some kind. I believe it's a Catholic church. has a big cross on top of it, that kind of thing. She tries picking up on him. He basically says, you know, leave me alone, but he gives her his lighter, which, you know, will eventually not turn out well. And then she is found dead. And then he is found drunk in his office by his girlfriend, who is upset that he's gotten into a fight and gotten beaten up. She wants to know why he's going away all the time. A Hispanic woman comes in. She's looking for her daughter. Now, okay, first off, I found this a little weird. For a picture that the mom has of the daughter, that's a pretty scantily clad picture for the 50s uh, that she's carrying around of her daughter. That is a very Lolita thing going on, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, huh. So that, A, should have been a giveaway. Anyway, she also has a lot of money to to take. because his uh, girlfriend wants the cash, she ends up um, pushing him away. This is where one of my issues with this book starts, and it is mm-hmm. with the emotional reactions on her face, and like some, like it's really weird. It's like she's hugging him one moment and fighting him the next, and it's like it, the, it just doesn't. The, the visuals just are jarring and weird, and it sometimes becomes hard to follow for me. I don't know if anyone else had that issue or not. And sometimes the art doesn't necessarily follow the story as well as I wanted it to. And that's where I started seeing this issue was kind of in that sequence. Mm-hmm. So our detective, he, sh- he, gets, uh, he goes to the morgue where he has a friend. He finds that the, uh, the girl who's been killed has a uh, psychiatrist uh, business card. Um, he ends up also, I think he takes his lighter back. or He, he leaves the lighter, but he takes the business card. Um, he goes back to the, the uh, church where the girl has been killed. He shows the, uh, the priest a uh, picture, hits on the priest as well, um, and then uh, a little altar boy comes out to uh, help wash down the thing, and the uh, he accuses the priest of having a relationship with the boy. Um, he also sees a, um, a local known thug who is uh, a muscle for a, a local gangster. He is nearby as well, and he makes note of that. He then goes and sees the psychiatrist. Uh, she is sort of doing a semi-Kinsey sort of thing where she's talking to hookers and trying to find out, you know, their backstory, why they do what they do, all that kind of thing. Um, he ends up kind of getting upset with her when she tries to read too much into him. So he leaves, goes and has a beer, and he's attacked in an alleyway uh, by, it looks like it's the same kid who was at the uh, the church, right? Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. so the kid pulls a knife on him. And then, now, does he have sex with the guy? Is that what's going on here? Someone else want to read in this book? I didn't take that what out. What page is it on again? It's on page 50, or 31. Because he turns around the kid, he says, uh, you're going to have to pay for this. And he says, how do you want to pay for it? And it's a very sort of seductive. The kid's bent over. The guy's looking over his shoulder. Because there's a couple moments in here where it sort of implies sex, but you, I'm not quite sure because it doesn't happen. That's, actually, that's what I thought happened. That's what you yeah, thought happened, too? Okay. Yeah, that was... So I'm not the only one. So he ends up having sex with the young kid. Um, oh, yeah. yeah that's then he's walking you. away, and the kid's holding his arm, like, in a really awkward fashion. Like, it was really weird. Uh, like, like, and so the kid leads him down to a, um, like, I think one of his, his bosses or somebody he was covering up for, um, this like shipping thing. And inside of it, he finds, uh, this guy, he's, uh, been drug overdosed and he has a note that basically says that, uh, for the black cat cafe. So he goes to black cat cafe 
which is a uh, hidden gay bar. He kind of picks a fight and gets thrown out, ends up watching to see who runs away, and he starts following a guy, and it ends up being Bohemians. Uh, he rescues the girl he's been looking for from these guys who've been hanging out. She's drugged out of her mind. Bohemians. I just saw that yeah. like they're nihilists. Yeah. Oh, sure. It does have kind of a. Uh... They're nihilists. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so he takes her back to the girl, and the, the woman sort of shuffles her off quickly. She goes back. Uh, he goes back home to his girlfriend. They end up having sex, and then he sneaks off again and goes back to a. I think it's the black cat, right? Or another gay yeah, guy. He kind of picks up on a guy and ends up walking out when they want to have nothing to do with him. He sees the. Uh, psychologist leaving a flower for the uh, hooker who died in front of the church. He sees a guy as he's walking away, so he follows him up to Quake Tower, it looks like, and then um, he gets knocked out, and this is the big muscle guy, I think they call Bone, uh, very appropriately. <laughs> and yeah. so then uh, Bone ends up fighting him a little bit, and then him and Bone end up having sex, if I'm implying that correctly, because you see Bone undoing his belts, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. The thing I didn't necessarily catch is I couldn't tell if they had a previous relationship or not. You know what I mean? Like, it was hard to tell. Like, it, it felt like this was something that had been like going a, on. Like a random meeting? Well, it, was, or... it was a random meeting, or if it was something that had been occurring every so often. You know what I mean? Anyway, that, that one I never was quite sure of. He shows back up at his office. There's a bunch of detectives there with his girlfriend. Um, they show a picture of the, uh, the woman who'd come in and hired him. She's dead. He won't tell the cops anything. They beat the shit out of him. His uh, girlfriend is kind of saying she doesn't know where he goes out every night, kind of trying to cover it for him, but they still don't beat the shit out of him. So as he leaves, uh, he gets bailed out by somebody who claims to be his attorney. As he leaves, there's a woman there in a big town car who picks him up and takes him away. His girlfriend gets all jealous because she thinks that that's the woman he's having sex with uh, and sneaking off with. Little does she know. Little does she know, but she will find out. Oh, you believe me. She tries to play the I'm in trouble card. Uh, he spots her as uh, being some sort of uh, dame who's going to cause him nothing but trouble. Um, she offers him a bunch of money. He ends up leaving. Uh, she, uh, the girlfriend is walking away and gets a ride from um, the mobby, bossy guy who... Uh, bone is security for uh eventually uh frank gets out of the car but he takes the business card of the uh the woman who uh is uh like running some sort of um mob situation uh so he goes back to his office he gets in a fight with his girlfriend she's where you've been hiding blah 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 crying crying then have uh some uh sex on the counter after he cuts up her dress and then he's about to walk. No, this guy gets a lot. He does get he a, lot. a lot of action, yeah. For he an really ugly does. dude, he gets a lot of ass. He's make, he makes my dick hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Raw. See last episode Raw. for that one. Raw. 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 <laughs> so, uh, so then he ends up going up to the mansion of uh, this guy. He's let in, but Bone is there um, to stop him. But then the, uh, the mob bossy guy comes in. Uh, he's not really like a mob boss. He's sort of like a fancy boy, but he's sort of like a rich guy who's been playing an illegal like option kind of thing. Uh, not dissimilar for uh, other stories of this. Bone kind of fills him up uh, looking for weapons and also grabs a big old piece of his dick uh, while doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, big old piece. Uh, big old piece. Uh, so anyway, uh, he's asking the girl, uh, the guy, what happened to the girl, blah, blah, blah. Bone ends up beating him up a little bit, throwing him around. And then you get, and then he gets the sense that Bone actually sort of lets him throw a punch at him so that he can escape because Bone wants to let him go. And so uh, he actually cuts Bone's face and runs off. So now they both have matching cuts on the same side of the face. He jumps on a cable car. I'm going to take a pause here because it is a book about San Francisco. And my cocktail is the cable car. So we'll slip this in right now. Giggity. Giggity, giggity. Giggity, giggity. So it is half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, half a, teaspoon, uh, half a cup of sugar, one lemon wedge, one and a half ounces of Captain Morgan Spice Rum, three quarters of an ounce of Marie Bizarre Orange Caracao, half an ounce of simple syrup, uh, and then one ounce of lemon juice. Uh, you stir the cinnamon, the sugar in uh, a wide mouth bowl or a saucer, rub the rim of a chilled glass with a lemon, uh, lemon wedge, and dip the cinnamon sugar into... Uh, to make a coat, basically you rim the glass, giggity. Uh, you set that aside. Rimming, rimming. Um, you add the remaining ingredients into a shaker, shake the shit out of it, and then strain. Oh, you add it with ice. I don't know if I mentioned that. And then you strain it into your prepared glass, and you garnish with an extra orange spiral. Uh, kind of a classic cocktail, but because it's San Francisco, and he has now just jumped onto a cable car to escape, felt like a good opportunity to throw that in. Sounds good. While I'm pausing, anybody else have anything they want to throw in so far? Uh, I can go with my drink, too. My drink's just called the Gumshoe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really, really simple. It's just one and a half ounce of scotch, one and a half ounce of drambouille, a uh, twist of lemon. You just pour that into a highball glass of rice, stir, and then garnish with a lemon grind. 
that is a yeah very like i'm too old for this shit i've seen it all kind of cocktail i like it that's awesome so we have our detective he's now uh cleaning himself up and he heads back to the uh the black cat or he walks past the black cat doesn't seem to go in he sees uh the shrink trying to get another hooker to go with her um the priest comes out and you know tries to scare off the um psychiatrist and as he's pulling away the hooker's hair falls off and it's it looks like a girl with short hair, but I think you come to realize later that it's actually a guy. Am I correct on that? Because we later find out who that kid is. We know who the kid is. It is a dude, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is a dude. dude yeah. So anyway, but we haven't found that out yet. But uh, anyway, he has short hair underneath, but you think it's going to be a guy. So uh, then you see, then the uh, the detective, he follows the psychiatrist home. She starts talking to him, asking about his childhood. Uh, she asks if his girlfriend knows about his habits. She's They cut to the girlfriend. She's at home drinking. Um, and as he talks more to the psychiatrist, he finds out that she, is, like he calls her a quack. Um, while she is revealing, the psychiatrist is revealing that she is actually the detective's daughter. Dun, dun, um, dun. At the same time, his girlfriend finds all of his gay magazines of hot men, muscular men, in his drawer. So two big revelations have happened right at the same time. It's a rough day. It is a rough day for him. So the mob bossy guy comes comes over. He ends up offering to uh, help the girlfriend out. The detective ends up having to uh, smack the uh, gun away from his daughter. He runs away and hides. He ends up going to the, the woman who picked him up in the car. He ends up going to her shipping location. Uh, she shows up, uh, you know, kind of trying to seduce him. Uh, the mob boss guy is trying to seduce his girlfriend, get more information about him. Uh, he is uh, about to get some with uh, the uh, the Asian girl. She goes in for a kiss. He says, I don't kiss. And then he pushes her head down in a very, very classy way <laughs> for him to get a blowjob. Because uh, women love it when you do that kind of shit. Oh, do they? So anyway, so then the girlfriend, she ends up opening up a door and is shocked to find someone. But we don't see who it is yet. First, we see that uh, Frank gets drugged while he's getting a blowjob. And then, uh, so the blonde girl is found uh, by the uh, the girlfriend. Uh, she's been chained up, and the priest walks in with a gun. So there is, you know, a little battle there. Frank wakes up after being drugged and uh, has been set up, and there are two dead women, one of them being the girlfriend, one of them being the other girl, who are dead in his office. The police burst in. He makes a run for it. It happens to be a victory day for, um, I'm guessing this has got to be Korean War yes. then? Yeah, if it's 53. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been, I think, shot, so he's bleeding out, but he's going through the crowd trying to find his way out. He ends up back at his daughter slash the psychiatrist's office. Uh, he's looking for a little bit of help, but she doesn't want to, but ends up deciding that she's going to. He goes to, it looks like the morgue, and the morgue doctor helps uh, clean him up. Um, he does a little more um, investigation, and I happen to mention that he found a key that the girl had swallowed. Uh, probably to try to get rid of, or no, she'd not swallowed, she'd hidden it in her vagina to try to get um, out of the handcuffs. And so he has this extra key that the um, the morgue guide forgot to mention. They end up taking a gun and they find uh, a hotel where uh, the key fits. Um, and so they have all the books that have all the secret information as to what everyone's been looking for this entire time. Um, they find a lot of the shipping information. They end up going and trying to make a deal. They go to the docks. Um, and they go trying to make a deal with the guy, the mob bossy guy. The daughter ends up sort of being taken hostage by the priest. He finds out that the um, mob bossy guy is taking pictures of uh, young men, dressing them up in drag, and then taking sexy photos of. As you do. Yeah. Now there's something in the like he has like a sort of a, a, a thing and like like sort of like a cook prepared thing, and I I got the impression that that was like women's body parts, like he was cutting them up and then putting them on the guy. Is that correct? Am I wrong on that? Am I just have I just seen too many horror movies and that's what I'm thinking is going on? Because you never really see yeah, what's inside of it. Adam's looking. We we only have one one copy of the book between the three. Which page over again? Uh, I'm thinking like 158. He opens it up and sees it. It's like it's like he's like cooking up and feeding him women parts or something like that. Because he says something in fact of you are what you eat. It's like he's trying to make the guy eat women so he'll become a woman kind of thing. I vaguely remember that. I'm just trying to see. It, it might, I, it's not necessarily that terribly important to plot. I've also yeah, just seen way too many horror movies. That's probably that's what, what he's I doing. Cause, going on. Yeah. 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 So anyway, fight continues. Fight continues. He tries to rescue the boy. The daughter ends up shooting the priest, and then she ends up getting drugged by the woman who uh, was running the shipping container thing. The police show up. The rich bossy guy basically makes a deal. They let the the, the boy go, and the detective is there, um, you know, and he's basically going to stand up of whether or not he 
you know, saves his daughter or not. He pretends like he's not interested in it. Uh, he then grabs a gun, shoots the girl, runs and grabs his, uh, dives into the water after his uh, daughter, swims back up to float uh, up to with her, saves her. Um, and then he ends up having the list of all the things that happened. He ends up blackmailing the rich mobster guy. Um, and part of what he does is he sends his uh, daughter off to school so she can become a reputable member of society. And then he goes off and he ends up having a hot date with Mr. Bone, who felt him up earlier and had sex with him earlier. And they uh, watch the sailboats out over by uh, Alcatraz because it is San Francisco after all. That is essentially the plot. That guy got laid a lot. All of it. <laughs> he really did. Well, he speaks, did, dude. Well, like, speaking of um, the end yeah. there, because they talk about watching the fog lifting up, uh, yeah. that uh-huh. leads into my drink, which is called the Fog Cutter. Uh, it's two ounces of freshly squeezed orange juice, one ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice, half an ounce of orgeat. Is that how you pronounce it? Orgeat. 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 Yep. Uh, one and a half ounces of white rum, half an ounce of gin, half an ounce of brandy, half an ounce of sherry. Add everything except the sherry to a cocktail shaker and fill it with ice. Shake the shit out of it and strain into an ice-filled highball glass. Carefully pour the sherry on top of it and garnish with a sprig of mint. A sprig of a mint. A sprig of mint. Just a sprig. A sprig. Ah, just a wee sprig of mint. Cool. Well, so we've kind of gotten through it. Where? What are people's thoughts? Where would they like to start? This well, was the, the 50 sure were a different time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so I will say this book included, um, even when I was reading those detective novels from the actual 50s, the thing I always found shocking, because like, I think from maybe, maybe other people feel the same way, a lot of my view of the 50s comes from either sitcoms on TV, you know, like I Dream of, well, not even I Dream of Dream, but like Lucy, Lucy or uh, Father, like Donna Reed Show, or Dick Van Dyke Lassie, stuff like that, watched on Nick at Night as a kid or Back to the Future. So I always kind of viewed the 50s as sort of like this, you know, sort of pure, happy sort of thing, the, the ideal they tried to put forward. But then you read detective novels from the time and then this book as well, and you realize how sordid things could actually be because like some of those like Dashiell Hammett books and whatever are pretty racy and sexy and have some, you know, like having homosexuality was not like a shocking thing in some of these books. Like they it definitely showed up. There was a, I think it's in Maltese Falcon, there was a very openly gay character in that book, um, one of the main characters, and he's not even necessarily the villain, he's just a, a main source of information, is very open to gay in the, in the book and things like that. So uh, I think I'm thinking of the right book. I'm, I read a lot of them all together, and so I'm becoming a little foggy on the plots of all of them, to be honest with you. Uh, foggy? Uh, foggy, because it's San Francisco, you see. Yeah. But actually, uh, Dashiell Hammett's books take place in Los Angeles, but uh, totally different issue. But yeah, so like, I mean, that, that is one of those jarring things from a modern perspective that you're like, oh, wait, I thought this was all Donna Reed and Lassie and Happiness and oh shit, they were kind of uh, kind of fucked up. They had a few issues, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I was kind of getting curious about people's thoughts that way. With the time period and everything else, I mean, we keep, we brought a Maltese Falcon a number of times. This, uh, the uh, protagonist is gay. And I, as a protagonist, though, he's a bit of an anti-hero in some ways. I mean, he is, talk about a guy that's just uh, had a bit of a rough life. For sure. And the fact that he's gay, it's definitely there, and that's a big part of who he is, and it drives the plot and whatnot, but it's also, it's just a characteristic of him. Yeah. He would be adding his, that he's gay as a part of, he's also a, uh, he's a drunk, and he's someone that keeps trying to avoid things that he can, and yeah, there's a few parts here, he's got to go to, he offered the Zippo lighter. Mm-hmm. To the one girl, is like, well, I'm coming into my own. He's like, well, I have a lighter to be lighter to keep warm. I'm not quite sure if you are or not. But who's gonna keep you warm, Daddy? Uh, that's right. He's like, not my. Time. That is the creepiest fucking. You know it's gonna be sport. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, inside baseball. <laughs> so it's um, it really fits in. It seems like the writers were like this vertical crime imprint was the idea is this hard boiled, black and white drawing thing. All of them are something um along similar lines, but different. You know, I hate that phrase, but there it goes. And <laughs> as it's going through, I, I the I imagine the writer goes like, ooh, I've never written this kind of thing before. Let's, I love them so much, let's do it. And I can see the joy the writer had in making this. Because I, yeah. really, I really dug it. Well, I think your point about his homosexuality just being another characteristic of, of all the different different parts of him, I think... You're right. I think part of the reason why we just bring it up is because we are reading this book as part of our Pride Month. Mm-hmm. That becomes 
you know, key point that we want to point out because, you know, it's involved with our theme for the month. But I think you're right. Other than that, like he's uh, an abandoning father from a failed relationship. He's not necessarily great to the woman he's in a relationship as well. It, his employee to uh, boss relationships are a little fucked up. He has definitely some violent tendencies. Uh, he jumps into things a little bit too head first. You know, but like he is sort of a classic, you know, flawed detective. You know what I mean? He has a darker past that, you know, you're never, you're not quite sure what it all, what, what's all going on there, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and they did a smart way too. Like it, it's, it was obviously a, like, like Todd said, it was a big part of who he was. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it didn't have to be his defining characteristic, which I think for most people, I know most key people, that's just, again, it's just part of who make them up and it's not their defining characteristic. That being said, it's a very important characteristic. Sure. And if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, yeah. I'm a very loudmouth bitch about that. You? Yeah, no, right. Never. Never. Uh, because, you know, I, you know, one of those powerful things anyone who's queer can do is come out. And then also there needs to be that reminder, like, you know, the kind of like we exist type thing. But this is also mm-hmm. back at a time when it was illegal. Like, we're right on the cusp of McCarthyism and the Red Scare and everything else. So for someone to even try to be out and be who they are at this point in time was a very dangerous thing. And that's why I think the ending was so was awesome was like he's sitting there with bone like just watching the sunrise i think like, weren't they like holding hands too or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah subtly yeah it was yeah it was i mean obviously at the time it was something they couldn't necessarily be really out about but yeah they sort of like were subtly yeah. holding hands and that kind of thing uh, so that was that was good to see but then also yeah this i mean this is when it comes down to it it's just a hard-boiled crime noir novel and it's written that uh-huh. way it's presented that way but at the same time it's also dealing with a lot of very specific issues that were big big at the time and that we always talk about the fact that so many gay people that they kind of forgot their history. Like, you know, you've like you, they forgot Stonewall, I mean, or where it came from, or guess what? These were drag queens and trans women of color who started out our whole gay our process of, of LGBT rights. You know, they've kind of forgotten about the AIDS and HIV crisis back in the eighties and nineties, because I mean, hell nowadays there's a pill you can take to keep you from getting it. And if you do get it, you can take a pill and honestly, you might have some minor side effects, but you're, it's not a death sentence anymore. It's something you can live with and not, something that was uh that eradicated like a whole generation of men uh so i think yeah. it's, it's books like these are important just to remind everyone of as far as where we've been and you know as much as we still have a lot of work to do like how far we really have come in our private equality and it's a yeah. fun book to read so <laughs> it is, yeah. it is fun book. i'm my only real beef with this book and i think i mentioned a little bit earlier is that sometimes the art is it doesn't match the action of what i'm reading you know i mean what the story is doing and what the art is doing sometimes don't completely jive together and that's my biggest beef with this book like it's not necessarily clear exactly what's happening exactly like you sort of forget how good some of the comic book artists we are until not to say the art in here is bad it's just that it's not a style could this be a symptom of it being black and white or just i think it was purposely done this way i think it was purposely done to kind of recreate the feel like the pulp comics back from the 50s and that might be it it might be that intention trying to make it feel kind of pulp it's just like there's certain points like and they do a good job in some places there are just some places where what they're saying and what you're seeing on the panel (laughs) don't match you know what I mean? Or the story, like, it gets jarring back and forth. And, like, so you, like, there was I just times I found myself going back because of the art, going, wait, what just happened? Because it doesn't quite match what I think it should. And, that, and that's just, like, like I'm saying, it's my only issue. Like, I really like the story, actually. I thought it was really interesting and really good and really well written. It's just that that was my only real beef. Anybody else have anything they want to mention on this? I know, Todd, we don't have a cocktail from you just yet. Oh, yes. I'll do my cocktail. Um, going with the classic with this hard-boiled and everything else, I was thinking about it. I'm going to do the Sazerac. This is a personal favorite. Oh, okay. A Sazerac. 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 Ooh. <laughs> it's a Sazerac. One more time. Sazerac. There we go. I... <laughs> Mr. Maya, later tonight, I'm going to sneak up in your bed. I'm just going to whisper in your ear. <laughs> so, in preparation, you want to rinse a chilled glass, old-fashioned glass, with absinthe. So, um, just put some absinthe in there, shake it around the glass, then you dump that shit out because there's more than enough absinthe in there of just leftovers. Add crushed ice, set it aside. You want to stir the remaining ingredients of a sugar, sugar cube and one and a half ounces of a rye whiskey. And... Um, Put that in together, then you dump it into the glass, and you add a lemon peel for garnish. So you got a sweet whiskey, absinthe, lemon peel drink to drink. And it's nice and Don Draper-esque. Yeah, yeah, I like the Sazerac, actually. When they're made really well, they're really good. Sazerac! I had, um, who was, oh, there's a, um, Bar X in Salt Lake City had, like, a series of different flavored Sazeracs. 
Mr. Maya. Thetherak! Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm having you, you have all the Thetherak's there are. I'm having you know, Maya, I'm going to turn that into a fucking drop. Like, that's going to be there. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm going to have a Thetherak button just for you, Mr. Maya. Thetherak? <laughs> <laughs> it's your I am Groot. Right there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thetherak. Sazerac. Oh, Thither Me Timbers. <laughs> Scissor Me Timbers. Holy fuck. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Garrison. <laughs> wow. So, with Fogtown, it is a member of the Vertigo Crime books. Yeah. And these were all a bit, the format, they're all a little bit smaller. What's that format size called? I don't know, but it, it's, it's, a, it's about the same size as like a, 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 it's like just a smaller model. format. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a little it's bit larger almost, than it's paperback. Almost, it's almost digest size, yeah. but I wouldn't call it, it digest size. But they're all of this size. They're all hardback. Oh, my paperback. Just, yours is paperback. Yeah, oh. yeah, mine, mine's hard hardcover as well. Well, Adams is hardcover. So most of them, they came out as hardcovers hmm. um, as they were coming through. And it's just kind of their own thing as the uh, it's a own mini imprint in within Vertigo. These yeah. were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed them. There, others were by Andy Diggle. Did one. Azarello's got one. Milligan did another one that I really enjoyed. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I looked it up. It looks like there are like what thirteen books. It looks like the list is uh, ninety-nine days. Aaron and Ahmed, Area Ten, The Chill, Cowboys, Dark Entries, The Executor, Filthy Rich. I've seen that book around. I know that's part of it. Fogtown, we just read Noche Roja, Cat Roja, Roja, uh, Rat Catcher. Return to Perdition and the Sickness in the Family. Hmm. Return to Perdition is in Vertigo. Okay, that's what's claimed as. Is that is that Road to Perdition? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's related to Road to Perdition. I like Road to Perdition. That's been on our list for a while to read. That's interesting. I've seen Filthy Rich by Azarello before. I didn't realize that that's those two were associated together. I enjoyed that one, and um, Andy Diggle's Ratcatcher is really good. Oh, really? Okay, I'll have to look into these yeah. now. Ratcatcher takes place in El Paso. It's got a lot of the um, <laughs> No Country for Old Men vibe going gotcha. on. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, do we have anything else you want to discuss, or you guys? Uh... I mean, again, with this one, it was it was more about the you know the, the storyline was again this crime novel. It wasn't there wasn't really much to say about. I like, think when we talked about that, how it you know applied with his family relations, everything else, and this mm-hmm. was pretty much this. I mean, yeah, he was very much an anti-hero. He was kind of an asshole, mm-hmm. and yeah. so you're not really rooting for him, but at the same time, he's less of an asshole than the bad guys are. So. Yeah. To me, to me, the subject of his sexuality was more like he's all these things. He's a he's drunk. He's an asshole. Oh, by the way, he's gay. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, I kind of is when it felt like, oh, that's he has this nice happy ending with with Mister Bone, which is kind of cool, actually. It was good. I really, rather enjoyed that. No, I would not be giving this to my twelve-year-old niece because then I would <laughs> never be able to interact with her again. Yeah. Right. No. That's it's it's not for them. This one is not for them. I mean, does your niece read comic books that much? Is that a, a constant thing? Oh, really? I, I try a little bit here and there, but it's it's a very careful thing. Mm-hmm. Lieber Mayo did the cover for this. I know. If you wanted someone to draw smoke correctly, that'd be Lieber Mayo. Well, there's a Burr weird Mayo. thing. The way mine's printed, like, if you move it, the smoke moves a little bit on my copy. Like, if you move the book, it's kind of cool. Like as, as it catches the light, it does different things differently. It's very interesting. It's kind of cool. Mine does not do that. No, no. It's well, just see, maybe there's a benefit to having the paperback copy then. Nope. No, you don't want floppy <laughs> and you can have hard. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> well, shall we go into grades? Yeah, I think that great. sounds like a good plan. <laughs> well... Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking bummed. God, please, no! 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 Okay. <laughs> Plasty, what is your grade for Anderson Gabrich, the writing? Mr. Todd. That was for Todd. Mr. Todd. Oh, yeah, I was calling him Mr. You know, Plasty because he said, let's it's... trade this bitch. Right, right, right. No, that was me. Oh, was it you? No. Well, anyway, Todd, what's your grade? It's a B plus. I mean, it's uh, it goes ahead. He's writing. He fills in all the tropes of a hard-boiled detective uh, private dick thing going on. So every box is checked. I rather enjoyed it. It was a 
it's uh, peeling like an onion, and yet it was still quite straightforward. At the end of the day, it wraps up quite nicely. I didn't see anything wrong with his writing, so it's a B plus. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with a, an A. Actually, I really like the story, and uh, I like a lot of the re- things that Todd said. Like, it, it definitely feels like uh, a lot of those old uh, great. Uh, uh, crime novels that uh, if you've read they're, they're really fun or if you've seen like old mystery movies or whatever that they're all based off of you know it, it's very similar to that kind of also similar to like in more recent uh, times I mean there's been uh, uh, LA Confidential and things like that it definitely has that sort of vibe to it uh, Mr. Maya I'm at a B plus too I was at a B before but the more oh. I think about it the more I really enjoyed this mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan of like uh, crime noir books like Everything that Sean Phillips and Ed Brubaker does is right up my alley. So this, the more I think about it, the more I really enjoy this book. And uh, Mr. Ma, uh, Mr. Adam, I'm Mr. Ma. <laughs> I know um, you are. I'm going to go with any as well. I mean, it's very well written. I love the story. It's. Uh, I'm also again a big fan of this, these type of, of novels or in movies in general. And the fact he threw in kind of how certain aspects of life would have had to been kept under wrap, being a homosexual back in the fifties. Uh, again, just it's a reminder of our history, and we need to make sure we're we're being aware of that. Uh, so, for the art for Brad Raider, what is your grade, Mr. Adam? Uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, the B. I mean, again, the, the art's not my favorite part of it. I think it really was drawn in the the pulp comic style of back in the day. Uh, so, like you said, there were some times where it was kind of hard to follow exactly what was happening. But I do think that was an aesthetic choice by the artist. Uh, but it was never like really distracting. It wasn't like I was being drawn away from the story about what, what was taking place on page. Uh, it's just not my preferred art, so. Like, you didn't just, like, it didn't derail your experience where you're, like, focus on one pen. You're like, what the fuck's going on? Like, exactly, yeah, I know. Yeah, it, just, it, was, it, just, it, was, it, it was not my preferred art style, so. I'm going to go with a B- minus because it actually did distract me a little bit. Um, like, I liked the art in general. When it worked, it was great. There was just moments where I was, like, looking back going, like, wait, that doesn't quite make sense and I had to figure some things out or try to figure out what he meant by some of the drawings that he had done but when it was good it worked really really well uh mr todd no i'm gonna give this a b as well it was um pulpy of the time they were happy i say at the time it was yeah it is pulpy <laughs> not hard not oh my goodness pulpy to fit the story quite well and i really enjoyed that it wasn't perfect by any means but it um really sung with the content well, and Mr. Maya. I'm also at a B. I mean, I can't really say anything that, that you three haven't already said. I like this guy's facial expressions a lot. Like mm-hmm. on the on the close-ups, it's just one thing that stood out to me. But yeah, no, I'm 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 gonna round a B. And then for overall grades for the entire book, uh, what say you, Mr. Maya? I'm gonna stick with a B. Enjoyable to read. I I really liked it. I'm glad Adam found this book because uh, I wouldn't have otherwise read it. It mm-hmm. would have been on my radar, so I'm, I'm really glad he found it and glad that I read it. So, B. Uh, I'm going to go with an A-. minus. I really liked it. Um, this book, not only have I really enjoyed it, but has now made me go, I need to pick up more in the Vertigo Crime series, because that looks like some interesting stuff. So, I didn't know this this little line existed, uh, and uh, now I'm really interested to see what else is in there. So, uh, <laughs> excited for that. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your overall grade? You know, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. I love this Vertigo Crime shit. So it um, fits quite nicely in that whole series of things, and it was a uh, really enjoyed the whole experience of it. So yeah, A minus. Cool. And Mr. Adam, uh, I'm also going to go with an A minus as well. This is my my type of fiction. I love this stuff, and it was well written. The art style was was a little bit unique, and even though it wasn't what I preferred, uh, it was still interesting. It wasn't for me too distracting. And yeah, overall, it was I was one I just happened to stumble upon. I just was like, oh, I wonder what this is about. And I was like, cool, this sounds good. And I'm really glad I did because uh, it's, it's a much more unique book than we've done in a while. So True. Uh, actually, which makes me think, we have on our list of potential themes for a month, we have uh, hard-boiled detective stories written down. I'm thinking maybe we need to make that happen sooner rather than later since we all seem to like this style of writing and mm-hmm. maybe do a few more books like this because it's it's been a fun book. I actually enjoy this book. So Cool. Uh, well, then, who has recommendations? So we did Hellboy not too long ago, Seed of Destruction. A lot of those individual trades are hard to find because Dark Horse is really shitty about keeping stuff in print. Uh, But they just started releasing, uh, as we record this, it came out last week. But uh, as you hear this, Volume 2 is almost out. They started releasing uh, Hellboy omnibuses. Uh, They're little paperback omnibuses. They're 25 bucks, and they're going to do four of them. And that'll be all of the main Hellboy series. Oh, um, now they do that after I bought like the first seven individuals and hunted them down. But yeah, not um, 
not like uh, it's not compendium size. No, no, it's it's a it's a regular it's trade paperback size. It's just a thick book, uh, kind of thin paper, but it is on the uh, the glossy as mm-hmm. Todd likes. And they are not printing them in order of publication. They are printing them chronologically as they took place within the Hellboy universe. Oh, gotcha. Because, yeah, they have a uh, they have a, a story that just came out that actually happened, like, early on and things. Like, yeah, those, those stories aren't necessarily published in order, which is kind of interesting. It's, uh, I'm excited to get the other three. But uh, as, as this episode comes out, Volume 2 comes out on June 20th. Uh, and then it's one in July, and then the last one in September. And then I would assume they're going to be doing the BPRD stuff and, and the other Hellboy Universe stuff in the same format, which I look forward to. Yeah, there's um, I have a list. There's actually a uh, a Magnolia Universe like list that you can read through all those different stories that he's written and kind of have like a nice little trade reading order. Mm-hmm. And I'm in that. I'm like I've been trying to read through that as well. So I have um, a big BRPD. Uh, collection that I need to read through before I can continue on. But uh... also, and as this episode comes out, it will have ended. But keep an eye out. There was on Kickstarter a Kickstarter for the Hellboy Miniatures game that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be coming out sometime within the next year. So if you like Hellboy and you like miniatures, check it out. Sweet, Mister Todd. Do you have anything? Back to this vertical crime again. Um, I'd probably suggest reading. Ratcatcher, uh, Andy Diggle story. It takes place in El Paso. It's got that good old no country for old men feel. And it starts out that this cop is being tasked to hunt down a uh, mole in the department. And he happens to be that mole. Dun, dun, okay. dun. Yep. Uh, Mr. Adam, what's your recommendation while I try to think of No, something? this week I don't have anything, so I will pass. Well, thanks for throwing me <laughs> under the bus, you bastard. Well, you can do the other Jason Aaron awesome thing of Scout. Scout is incredible, actually. I, I was I was pitching that to a friend of mine. Um, he's a writer. Uh, he's currently writing on uh, Daredevil season three for Netflix. And I was telling him, I'm like, what you need to do is you need to get. I was, I was basically giving him a list of comic books that he either needs to get on the TV show when they make a TV show of it, or start writing the adaptation himself so that he can show run them. And one of the ones I recommended was Scout. For those of you who haven't read, the way I describe it to people is is like The Sopranos on an Indian reservation is the best yeah. way I've, I've described it. Oh, that's great. If, um, if Sopranos uh, and Breaking Bad had a baby on an Indian reservation, well, and see, and so what I described uh, Southern Bastards as is I described it as Breaking Bad and Friday Night Lights. It's how I describe that. Yeah, so, there's a little uh, bit of Breaking Bad in everything. <laughs> a little bit. There is a little bit of Breaking Bad in everything. Uh, but so yeah, like so, Scalped is, it, it follows a uh, a guy who's returning to uh, the reservation he grew Isn't up it on, South um, Dakota, he, I think. I believe it's in South Dakota. Um, he is uh, a, he comes back as a member of the police department, but he's actually an undercover FBI agent. Um, you also get the impression that he had some sort of. Uh, drug problems and was partially uh, blackmailed into taking these undercover assignments. So he's sort of a... He's not necessarily like a completely clean Boy Scout, but he's trying to... Um, he's, he's balancing this life between being true to his reservation and his people, but also trying to get the chief uh, who is very corrupt and is uh, is taking all the money from the casino and not spreading the money back to the tribe and things like that. But it goes on. I have, I think, all ten trades. I love that series so much. And I didn't realize how much I loved that series until I read Southern Bastards, also by Jason Aaron. And I was like, oh, that's right. This is what I've been missing. Uh, so as soon as I finished the second trade of Southern Bastards, because Maya had recommended mm-hmm. it to me, I texted a guy in my comic shop and said, Put Southern Bastards on my hold. I, I need this book now. So, so yeah. So, thank you again, Maya, for getting me addicted to that. Uh, I'm going to fuel your addiction. Yes, I know. It's not um, hard. Well, and, and Scout also. Lobby, now, one might say. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned. <coughs> excuse me. You mentioned uh, you have ten volumes of it now. If you're listening to this and you want to go out and try it, uh, they have shortened that down to uh, five kind of ultimate volumes instead of ten. Okay. Small yeah. deluxe editions. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I, I, I read the entire thing as it came out and absolutely loved it. It's a pretty consistent art team too. It's like RM Guerrera does all the art for I think all of them. Uh, there's one book where they have like uh, a couple extra artists who jump in on a few issues, but uh, that's kind of towards like issue like trades three and five. Um, but other than that, like it's the same artistic team, you know. And Jock right. did a bunch of covers. I, oh, think I think he did every cover. They were they incredible. Have really cool. Jock's work is awesome. Yeah. Um, we discussed recently on the show about how disappointed I was to find out that he wasn't some cool French black dude. <laughs> he's not but, a jock. Yeah, he definitely looks, doesn't look like a jock at all. He but looks anyway. more like a guy that watches the game with Carl Pilkington. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's, uh, I mean, for a crime story and something like that, like if you haven't read Scalped, I think it's amazing. I think it's also one of those shows that would be amazing on like either HBO or Netflix. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it'll be, a, I'm sure someone will make it into a TV show. Um, I, talking to my friend. HBO could, it's the same owners. Yeah. Overlords. Uh, my friend is trying to get onto uh, the Why the Last Man, I guess, they're, in, they're building their writing room for that right now, for the TV series of that, so... Hmm. Uh, that could be awesome. I mean, I think that'd be cool, depending if, if it's in the right hands or not. <laughs> so I apologize to my earlier. I went back and tried to rewatch um, some of Smallville because I'm I've sorry. been fascinated. By- no, I, it's, okay. So here's the thing: it's not great art, but it's not horrible either. It's not necessarily something bad to put on the background and kind of just catch the plot every so often. It's it's no. You should you should watch it really carefully to see if you can notice when that switch in Allison Mack. Oh my god! I still feel so bad about that. Like I'm just like. <laughs> Like, when, oh my god! Cult. Yeah, like, oh man, like, because I've been following that story too. It's so fucked up. It's so weird. It really is. I'm so bummed, man. I had such like a little celebrity crush on her. I'm like, she should have just come to live with me in Utah. And everything would have been okay. <laughs> a different kind of cult. The um, yeah, well, was with Smallville though, I mean, it was a CW show. It was even pre CW. It was WB. It was WB, but it really yeah, was WB, quite yeah. the precursor to the Arrowverse and all of these other um. Yeah. shows today so there is parts of it that are notable but there are some decent things that the the effects don't hold up sure. like i was watching it like i was trying to get uh jess to watch it and then i was watching it and i was like she would lose her mind over the effects like they are very dated already like there's like a shot within the first 10 seconds of like asteroids that just looks awful mm-hmm. at the time i'm sure it was great but like now it's just like you know, oh my god at the like, time they, it was awful <laughs> Was it awful? Okay. Um, one thing I really like that kind of came out of that, but not directly, is the guy that ended up being Oliver Queen in Green Arrow on the show. Uh-huh. He was on a failed pilot before. Of Aquaman? That, of Aquaman. And that pilot, I really enjoyed. Oh, really? Uh, uh, Ving Rhames was on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. If you can track it down, check out that pilot. I'm still curious as to why they haven't been able to make a successful Wonder Woman TV series, but whatever. It's a different animal. It is a different animal. Anyway, cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, next week, we are going to be continuing on our Pride Month, and we are going to be reading uh, America, Volume 1, which is about America Chavez, um, a newer character that I'm not completely familiar with, but we're going to all learn together. Maya, do you have anything uh, to add on that? I know nothing about her other than that she is for Marvel's first Latina lesbian superhero. Okay. I've, okay. I've, I've read comics with her in it. Uh, she was in Jamie McKelvey's yeah. Young Avengers. Um, I don't okay. remember much of that book, so we'll pretty we'll say this is pretty much going in blind for me. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going in blind as well, but I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, for some reason, when I bought it on uh, Amazon, uh, it was recommended that I like. It was like, oh, you also might like the Kate Bishop Hawkeye, and I'm like, I love Hawkeye. I will totally pick that up. So I bought that book as well <clears> at the same time. So I don't know if they're interconnected or not, but I have them both. And then uh, that'll do it for next week. Uh, and until then, so long and thanks for all the fishes. Bye. Bye. Check out that one. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.